You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Thanks for coming on back to the show. Uh, this week is a special guest, uh, Lola Slider. Lola is the current president of the UK APP. Uh, she owns a shop called Forest Piercing in Glasgow, Scotland. And uh, we talk a lot about uh, the, the closure and what it's like for someone from her perspective. Lola's shop is, was only open for about 10 weeks before the, the closure hit. So we talk about what it's like um, having a, a studio affected uh, by something like that when you don't have a war chest, when you haven't been in business for 10 years, for 20 years, and have that insulation where you don't have to think about it. So uh, we talk about that. Uh, we also talk a little bit about all the different shops, mostly tattoo shops, honestly, but a lot of ta- uh, shops that I've been seeing posting um, petitions and stuff trying to say like, we need to open these like state or local regulations aren't valid. We have to get back to work. Um, we, we talk about maybe them having some unrealistic expectations where it will be just business as usual when we all have to start thinking that this is going to be a completely different world for us. Uh, we're going to have to create a new normal. We can't just go into the shop turn the key and expect to be firing on all cylinders again. So we, we talk about that, um, uh, you know, starting now to plan crafting your, your reopening strategy and what that's going to mean and what that's going to, to look like, what your supply chain is going to look like. We talk a lot about that stuff, and I think it's a really great conversation. Uh, we kind of pivot. We talk about different stuff. We talk about um, some of the classes that I'm working on. We talk about a new class that Lola is working on. I did a a studio growth strategies class, and I feel like it was very firmly uh, from the perspective of someone who owns a shop and, you know, can make their own decisions about how to spend money and invest in the shop. And for a lot of piercers, Lola included, that that wasn't the norm for the majority of their career. Lola's shop uh, is pretty much brand new, but before that, she was working for someone else. And when she wanted growth in the studio... She had to convince them to invest in in their own business and to believe in her as a a capable staff member. So Lola's going to be writing up a new class. Mine was called Studio Growth Strategies, you know, kind of from the owner's perspective. But Lola's class is going to be called Professional Growth for the Employed Piercer. And um, from hearing the information that she's putting together, I think it's going to be a killer class. Uh, Don't have a, a firm date confirmed yet, but it's looking very likely to be Saturday, May 2nd. So mark that off on your calendar, uh, Saturday, May 2nd with Lola Slider. Uh, I'm also going to be doing a a scarification class for free on uh, April 25th. I'll be talking about that a little bit more at the end of the show. For now, I just kind of want to get into it with this interview with Lola Slider, and I'll be back more at the end. Okay. You want me to say stuff? Yes. Okay. Go. My name is... (laughs) Okay. Ready? (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to wait for you to say go. Go. Ready, go. (laughs) Okay. My name is Lola Slider. Uh, My Instagram is lola.slider, and I am a professional piercer and owner of Forest Piercing in Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, I'm an APP member, and I'm the president of the UK APP. So fancy. And I'm your girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) The most important credential. Um, hi. 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 Uh, so we, we talk a lot, you know, all day, every day, more or less. Um, so like we've talked about, I think everything that people can talk about publicly and privately and professionally when it comes to COVID and how much it sucks and you know what it's like being a, a business owner right now. So do you, do you want to talk about any of that stuff or is that still kind of a bummer to talk about? Well, it, it is a bummer to talk about, but I think it's still important to talk about it because it's something that's happening to everybody in the community at the same time. So I think that just not talking about it at all and not acknowledging it is, is maybe a little bit unkind to people that are experiencing the same issues. So I, I think, um, and you know, I I force you uh, to listen to my podcast every week. So you know what I've been talking about and what I've been going through, uh, you know, knowing me, uh, but talk about what you've had to go through because 
I, I think everybody has their own story of frustration and uh, the different steps and processes that they've they've gone through over it, and uh, you know, emotionally and business wise and all that stuff. Like, how, how is this affecting you? Um, well, for me, I only just opened up my studio at like Christmas, New Year, at the end of last year. Um, and because of the, the licensing system um, where I'm located, it basically means that you have to have a, a finished premises before you can apply for your license pretty much. And then license application takes several months. So I already had to sit on an empty property and pay rent and bills on that property for a couple of months before I could open. Then I got to be open for like two and a half months and then we got shut down again because of coronavirus. Uh, and now it's looking like even more time is going to be spent with the forced closure. Um, so for me, like already having to start out behind uh, and then having to be closed again for several months uh, is making it almost impossible at this point to see a viable way that I can recover a new business from that. Um, it's not going to be possible to do without any kind of like financial support or help. But uh, there are a lot of systems that have been put in place, but just like the rest of the world, they're completely reactive and they're changing all the time. And uh, it's going to take probably months for a lot of that support to reach small businesses. But in those months, you're still being charged everything. And uh, again, you know, you, you can't get blood out of a stone. So like a lot of people, if you're not trading and you're not taking in any money, you're just going to kind of hit a complete dead end uh, and all of the bills are just going to keep coming and over that period of months a lot of people are going to start to develop bad credit they're going to have services cut off they're going to go into rent arrears because no systems have been put in place to stop those things from happening uh, so yeah it's it's pretty much a, a bit of a living nightmare for a new business owner really um I mean, like if you've been in business for many, many years, you've maybe had time to prepare for something like this. But um, if not, if help doesn't get to people in time, I think a lot of places are, are going to go out of business, unfortunately. So um, I don't have anything helpful to say to those people, just that I'm in the same situation as them. So it's not like they're alone. <sighs> yeah, but can you say anything like maybe negative that's impacted you. <laughs> Ugh. It's 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 so what? shitty seeing so many people like I we both know so many people where this has been like their life's work and they've struggled and they pushed so hard and knowing you professionally and and how our, our personal relationship has, has developed, uh seeing like all the things that have gone on in your life and behind the scenes leading into this and seeing you uh, have that success and then seeing you get kind of bogged down by this. Um, it's really difficult because sometimes business owners, just like you said, in, in my situation, I've been in business quite a while. Uh, I have a little bit of insulation, um, but you know, it's not like a unlimited kind of thing. And I think that some of the people that are most vocal are people that are in really fortunate situations where like they're not having to worry about. Yes anything you know uh and it, i think sometimes it's it's almost a disservice for those people to be some of the louder voices um especially when it comes to maybe the conversations that we'll all start having soon about uh how and when is it appropriate to to reopen yeah um i think that's kind of why it's important to talk about the depressing side of things because you know there's that phrase like toxic positivity mm -hmm. or you know like that that kind of thing where all of the voices that you're hearing are voices telling you to use this time to be productive and you know like it's just gonna last a couple of months and then we're all gonna get to go back to work and the most important thing is public safety and all of that stuff is really important but I think a huge amount of people their primary concern right now is is there gonna be a business for me to go back to when I go back to my business am I, is there gonna be any way of me financially digging myself out of this hole I mean I have days where I can't see any way for things to get better at all, regardless of what happens now. And then there are other days that I think, well, I'm just going to keep going to work once the shop's allowed to reopen until the owner of the building comes and takes the keys away from me. So that's what I try and think of most days. Uh, 
is just that, well, eventually one day I'm going to get to go back to work and I'm going to work and over time everything's going to get better again. It's going to take probably years to catch up with all of this mess. But, you know, like there are other days that I can't see that at all. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't really have an answer, so it might seem like a silly thing to say, but I just think that it's important for people to be aware that that's the reality for a lot of people. Everyone's not just having an easy time of it, you know, like people that are posting like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know that I've been, I've been one of those people where it was, it was easy for me to decide to close. It, it, I mean, it wasn't something I wanted to do and I struggled with it a little bit, but it was easy for me to make the decision to close. And a lot of other people, it's not easy for them at all. Um, what are your, what are your feelings on that kind of undercurrent of people rumbling about, okay, let us reopen. Cause I, I've been seeing things like, you know, petitions going around online where it's like, let this tattoo shop open, get enough people to agree. And it's like, well, um, I actually did have a thought about that. And for me, like I was speaking with someone else about this yesterday who was saying that, you know, it looks like in the UK at least, tattoo and piercing studios may be among the last wave of businesses allowed to reopen, you know, mm -hmm. if they're reopening things in an order of essential value. What we do is a luxury. It's not essential in any way. Um, that obviously poses a drawback in the terms of we can't get back to work. But on the other hand, if I went back to work tomorrow, no one would have any money. No one would be coming in for piercings. Nobody would be on the street. You know, like obviously the risk of viral transmission still being in the air, working in enclosed spaces. But like actually being later to open has its benefits as well because it means you can actually plan better to reopen. Like I never got to plan to open my shop because, like I said, you don't know when you're going to get to open. You literally have to wait for a license to come through. It could be weeks or months. So people say, when are you going to open? And I'm like, I don't know when they let me. And then you get your <clears throat> your license and you just have to go straight away to try and catch up. So this is going to be the first time that I actually get to open when I know that I'll be opening, which is kind of cool um, because it means I can actually try and have things the way that I want them, um, which is something that I want to take advantage of. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense for, for tattoo and piercing shops to open up so soon because, like I said, it's a luxury service. People aren't going to have money for it. So um, it's probably going to be more financially viable and beneficial to open up when the streets are really busy again and people are actually getting paychecks again um, than it is opening up when everything is like barren and deserted, if that makes sense. Um, it, 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 that's the first time I've actually thought about it in those terms is like, if we, if we all just went in tomorrow and opened up our doors, we wouldn't have the same influx of people. We wouldn't, I don't, I don't think it's as simple as just flipping the lights back on. I think, um, we have to grow to it and build to it. We have to, we, I think we, number one, we need to figure out as an industry, uh, the safety issues into it. Like what, what are our business practices going to look like before we open our doors back up because if we just try to think that it's going to be business as usual, we're going to have the same amount of people coming in, spending the same amount of money, you know, and the volume of people and all that with social distancing. I don't think any of that is realistic. I think even if everybody threw their doors open tomorrow, we would see enormous downturns because I don't think, I don't think clients are going to flock back in the way that people hope or expect them to. Um, I, I think people might rush out and get their nails done or their hair cut, but I don't, I don't know that people are going to be rushing back in for tattoos and piercings. I'm sure some will return, but I would rather, like you said, wait until society is kind of firing on all cylinders again, or at least close to it. Like if, uh, if my state holds to the original May 4th reopen date, I don't want to reopen on May 4th or May 5th or May 6th. Like I, I want to wait this out a little while and I want to see if there's going to be a second wave of this or that restrictions, regulations, like what happens when all these people go back to work and find out like you can't buy any of the supplies you need. So if you didn't have them before you closed, you're not going to have them like day one when you open up easily. I think like having a reopen date um, is going to be really beneficial in the sense that, you know, like you're, we're probably going to find out what that date is maybe like two weeks beforehand, you know, and that's still probably several weeks away. 
Um, so if we were to find out a couple of weeks before, that gives you time to actually start thinking about like sourcing supplies and finding faults in your supply chain before you just go into work and reopen so that you don't have to grind to a halt three weeks after opening because you've run out of everything and you can't source it from anywhere else. So um, I think like having the foresight of knowing when you're going to get to reopen and getting to choose how to do it on your own terms is going to be a really important opportunity um, and like a really important, I know people have been using the phrase like exit strategy for, for the lockdown for a lot of different things. So um, I think having a kind of exit strategy as to like how you're going to get back to work is something that every studio should be planning for because they can't just go back in and turn the lights back on. So like you say, like planning to have a reopening and maybe trying to like make it more fun and make it more of an opportunity to improve the studio and focus more on that is probably going to look better for your customers as well. Instead of just saying like, well, thank goodness that nonsense is over. Let's get back to piercing. Mm -hmm. You can actually promote it as more of a like we're new and improved. We have these new features and facilities in place. Um, we've made some changes while we've been away and actually engage people. So they're interested in coming in again. Um, you know, once they're they're getting paid again too. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about uh, like while we're while we're closed, I have um, I have Evan researching uh, different online appointment systems like cloud based appointment systems, and I really want to start focusing on things like mailing lists and and social media contact and all that stuff. Like, I want to find out how we can best engage people that don't want to come out for something unnecessary. Like I was talking to uh, Kevin, one of the tattooers that we should try to switch all consultations over to just digital. Like there's no need. Someone doesn't have to come in to talk about their tattoo idea or their piercing idea. Um, if it's going to be just a conversation kind of thing, like why not do that online and why not make it seem like it's a, a bonus kind of service? Like, you know, at your convenience in your home in your pajamas you can have the consultations with them do all that stuff and try to figure out what the new business model is because nobody's business model is going to be uh like existent after this like everybody is going to have a new business model whether they think so or not you're going to have to change you know how much your supplies cost where are you sourcing them from uh, it's just like when we had the the jewelry shortages of two or three years ago, uh, when people went from kind of taking it for granted that you could order jewelry and have it in your hands within a few days or maybe a few weeks. And then it went into like, well, months and months and months. It's going to be the same thing for a lot of our medical supplies or either that or they're going to cost 10 times, 15 times more than, than we're used to paying for them. So mm -hmm. how is that going to change our business models, our budgeting, our planning, uh, you know, interaction with everybody like i'm gonna have to switch over to a completely appointment only model and i've never done that for body piercing ever so i have to i have to learn how to do that what are, what are your thoughts <laughs> I, <laughs> I gave you my thoughts you were answering my thoughts oh well okay well we're at a stalemate then we outthought each other okay all right well, well tell me how do you feel that your classes have been going during lockdown what a lovely segue. Um, I, I think they've been going all right. Um, I think they've been great for me to regulate my sanity. Um, gives me something to focus on. I get to feel like I'm being productive. Uh, I, I've been getting some really lovely feedback, and I've been seeing a lot of the same faces returning uh, week to week. So it's, it's nice to be engaging some people that um, maybe I've never that I've never had the opportunity to talk to or interact with like lots of piercers from all, all different countries all around the world. Um, and I, I think Becky's been telling me the pretty same similar thing about the APP classes is they're just, it's so varied as to the people that we're reaching with these kinds of classes. Uh, and it's, I love it. I love seeing just like the body piercing world, uh, kind of coming together during all this. I like that as well, they're the same classes that have also been instructed at like, you know, major piercing events in the sense that like there'll be a lot of people that have never been able to afford to go to these events before. Um, so they're getting the exact same caliber of quality of education as people that have been to them before. So it's not just something that's been like thrown together during quarantine to keep everyone busy. It's really, really good information and excellent instructors. So um, that must be something to give them to look forward to every week. I would imagine so. Uh, you know, it's that so many people have said that 
uh, it's just, I don't, I don't even know how to properly articulate it. You probably get what I'm going for, but they just kind of say that they just like being reminded how much they care about body piercing and being able to think like a body piercer again, because everybody's in like home life mode right now, you know? Yeah. Body piercers famously neglect their home lives and by and large are defined mostly by what they do. It just overspills into every other part of their life. So having all of that taken away has probably brought a lot of people into quite a lot of depression. Um, so, and I think as well, another problem is we're so goal orientated and date orientated that the fact that no one has any idea when this is going to end is the biggest contributing factor to that depression. Like there's, there's probably 10 things that I could be doing in my shop right now that I've not done because I just can't get motivated to do them. And then I, I keep telling myself when I know that this is going to end, then I'll go and do them because I know I'll have a deadline and I know that I'll go and do them. And that's why until then, people do that thing where they're like, today I could do all these productive things, but instead I'm going to go and do this other thing. It's because people need to create little deadlines for themselves. It's the only way they can be productive. I mean, like, even for you, having to produce classes for certain dates, you know, like, you put the date out there before you've maybe even finished polishing the class, because if you don't put the date out there, you're not going to finish polishing the class. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> I think that... Um, when you do classes and when the APP instructors are doing classes, it just it gives people this little surge of energy where they're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And these are all really great things. And it just kind of like, like you say, helps remind them who they are and what it is that they do. And, and hopefully, um, they're keeping notes from all of these classes. And as soon as, you know, we have a, an end in sight for this, they can actually like, go into their studios and start making changes. And these are the kind of things they can implement in the run up to reopening, you know, and um, that way they can reopen feeling good and not just desperate to reopen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really want to start to see, um, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be an organization, you know, if, if not the APP, then maybe UK APP or LBP or APPE or something. I want them to start, putting together like what their suggested protocols will be and, and maybe make like a nice video to talk to people about, to give them that information to be like, Hey, these are some work practices we would suggest or something like that. And, and give people that information so that when they are sitting at home, just wishing that they were open again, they're not going to have that mentality of like, go in, flip the lights on and we're ready to go. Like, you know, being mentally prepared for what comes next. Yeah, I think the only way to kind of salvage going back to work after um, all of this stuff is over is to give up on certain ideas and just kind of accept the idea that the best that you can do is to reopen on your own terms and as you would wish it to be. Um, I think if you just reopen um, and try and keep everything else exactly the same and just think you're going to go back to work, you're going to be really, really disappointed but if you can change your environment even just a little bit, that's going to help you to understand that things are different. Um, and hopefully that means that it won't be as disappointing for people if maybe they aren't suddenly overwhelmed with clients and that it takes a while to build it back up. Because even for shops that have been established for many years, it's going to almost be like opening up for the first time. Um, you know, it's going to be unexpected and it might be quieter and there's probably going to be, you know, furniture that's been moved and a lot of, like you say, online protocols that you'll be implementing will be different and things that you've never done before. So in a lot of ways, it's going to be like having a new location in the same place, just in a different time. That's deep. That's fucking, that's deep. Ugh. Well, I'm certainly not looking forward to any of this. I don't think anybody would say that they are, but um, I, I feel like as an industry, we're up to it. You know, I think we, we're all going to have to really put down some of our bullshit and just kind of share what we're thinking, even if it's like different sides of the same argument. I think we have to share what we're thinking. As frustrating as it is for me to see those people that are putting out petitions like, let us open on Monday, you know, like, I think those voices need to be shared too, so that people, you know, like me don't lose sight of what it's like for for other people, you know, thinking that it's like, you can just sit back on your laurels and don't worry. You can just, you know, you can spend your savings and you can go back in six months or, or whatever. It's like, you got to think about those people where next month is an uncertainty, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, but you have to, but the people that want to open on Monday also have to see it is like the, the people that the financial pressure isn't there. They're probably focusing on like, you know, well, these are the safety reasons for my staff or my clients, why I don't want to open too quick, you know, and they both have to kind of see both sides of it for an actual conversation to move forward where we can all start to make protocols that, that makes sense. I think as well, you know, like they maybe aren't realizing that this thing, like I said, is happening to everybody. So their clients, a lot of them won't have jobs right now. Um, and a lot of them will be waiting on support and it might be months before the majority of their customer base finds itself being stable again. Um, so I don't know if they are just expecting to just go back to work and, and immediately be inundated with tattoo work to do. Like I think tattoo work in particular um, is going to be quite slow. I think piercing, there's probably going to be a lot of people that need jewelry because of lost pieces when you're unable to ship or um, things that really need a downsize. There'll probably be a lot of troubleshooting. There's going to be like mountains of lumps and bumps to get through, especially as a result of people who couldn't have been able to downsize. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of that stuff. So I think that the first few weeks um, when shops do reopen is going to be maybe like just an influx of smaller pieces of work and less new piercing work. Um, whereas for tattooing, it's probably going to be a lot more consultations and just kind of like future planning than anything else, I would think. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, keep talking to me about what you see over there. I'll keep talking to you about what I see over here. And, you know, I think we both have pretty significant audiences of, of people that might want to listen to what we're saying and we can just share whatever information, you know, and, uh, I guess if you come back on the show one more time, you do get that satin jacket. That's true. It's going to be worth it. I really hope it doesn't take a pandemic for that to happen, though. <laughs> it's just so, it's so weird thinking about like uh, all the other episodes that you came on, uh, and it was just like, I don't know, the way that I would talk to like Jeff or Luis or like any colleague or something like that, and we were just proper or proper, and now it's like this whole ridiculous thing. Because uh, you know what my nipples look like now. <laughs> um, speaking of nipples, uh, as we record this, this is like two hours before. That was a really good segue. Um, we're about two hours before I do my my nipple class, uh, nipple uh, techniques and bevel theory and and whatnot. One of my private classes. And while I was making, and let me let me let me just step back a little bit for the people and talk about my personal life. Lola taught me how to make three ingredient banana pancakes this morning, uh, and they were really tasty. Uh, where'd you go? Where'd you go? You have no comment on that? That cuteness? I'm, I'm still here. Drink it in. Um, so we, we made... What? You did a good job. I think I did a pretty good job. They were tasty. But, you know, it was because of your coaching. Yeah. Uh... So while while I was making banana pancakes, you were asking me if I had troubleshooting info in in my class, and we were kind of talking about it. And uh, you br you brought up a couple of issues that I actually didn't have in the class, and I think that's because of my big dumb guy uh, perspective and, and bias of not thinking about issues related to things like a menstrual cycle. So that's not fair. You're not a big guy. Okay, I'm a medium sized dumb guy. Um, so, <laughs> but why don't you? You know, share what you were saying because I, I think it's really good information, and especially it's good for someone like me because I don't I don't think about that kind of stuff. You know, what I was saying. Uh, well, actually, the first thing that I said was, please don't make me talk about this uh, <laughs> because I'll freeze up and, and get embarrassed. So thank you so much for doing it on Skype. Where You're welcome. Your audience will probably ultimately be much larger. I would think. I would hope so. Yeah. Than the, than the class. So that's great. Um, but what I was saying was that um, a lot of people find that uh, after they get their nipple pierced uh, or both nipples pierced, um, they might come back about a month or six weeks later with the same problem. Um, and I got to a point through a particular phase where nipple piercings were really, really popular. You know how things kind of come in and out of fashion where Almost every day I would have someone come in and be like, I had my nipples pierced, 
about a month, month and a half ago, and everything's been going fine. And the last few days, they've just been puffy and tender and red. And, you know, it could either be one if they just had a single piercing, or it would be, you know, like, um, evenly distributed between them both, uh, if they had both sides done. And through discussion with them, nine times out of 10, it would just um, turn out to be that that was the week that they were on their period and they just hadn't been through one yet whilst they'd had the piercings done uh, and kind of the week running up to menstruation and then the week of um, it's not at all unusual for people to have like swollen breasts swollen nipples tender nipples uh, sometimes even a little bit of weeping can be normal and healthy if it's something that's been checked by your doctor weeping isn't always normal or healthy um, but for some people it can be um, so a lot of the time, it would just be a case that there's not really something you can do for that, to be honest, though. It's not like there's a treatment for that. It's more just understanding what it is and being better prepared for it and making sure that you have things like pH balance, body wash, if you like to use a body wash on your body as opposed to like any kind of perfume shower gel so that it doesn't irritate your nipples whilst they're in that kind of state. Um, it could be things like making sure that you have nice, soft, um, like cotton bras and things to wear that aren't going to be irritating during that time period. So it's almost like for a few days, you kind of revert back to what it was like to have them the first few days, um, just during that time period. So um, after that, I just started incorporating a little bit of that information into my general aftercare instructions, just to kind of make people aware. So there's not really something that they have to do, other than just be aware of the fact that around that time, they might experience um, just a bit of an increase in sensitivity and pain and redness and that kind of thing. And that they should always come in and have it checked out if they're worried, but kind of like a little spike in that is really normal kind of in the run up to their period and during their period. Um, but a lot of <clears throat> a lot of piercers kind of struggle to discuss things like that. Sometimes because of gender issues, uh, it can be kind of hard and there is definitely a wrong way to do it. Like you should never say to your customer, it's because you're on your period or are you on your period? Like that would be so incredibly inappropriate and rude. But, <laughs> would it? Yeah. But just like, yeah, I think if I do went... Do I smell iron? <laughs> um so what you would do is uh, you would do what you would usually do with troubleshooting is you kind of run through a list and you don't talk about the customer. You talk about this imaginary third party. So you say, well, some people find that they can have this problem when X thing happens and you kind of run down that list. And again, nine times out of 10, almost every time, as soon as I was like, yeah, a lot of customers find this can happen kind of in the run up to their period or the week of. So sometimes it can be that. And at that moment, they would interrupt me. Um, and say, oh, actually, yeah, it is It is that time. Like, it would be so common. I would usually just lead with that. So I wouldn't ever suggest to them um, that they were on their period, but I would give them the opportunity to tell me that they were. And if they didn't say anything at that point, I would just keep going down the list like you would with piercing troubleshooting to try and figure out what the problem was. So that's kind of how I would, like, bring the subject up a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think I would just be so oblivious unless they said something like, well, you know, this period, this point in my cycle and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I'd just be like, uh, you've been in a chlorine pool recently. You know, like I would just, I would probably think about something else first. And, uh, it's good to just like, I always like harp on people on my classes. Like you need to develop certain skills, add cards to your deck, all that stuff. Just understanding the simple functionality of the female body, uh, can, can really just kind of make me look at different uh, aftercare and troubleshooting issues uh, more professionally. Because, yeah. like, nipple tenderness around menstruation isn't even, like, a problem. You know, like, it's not something that needs, well, it's not to say that it's not a problem. It doesn't mean that it's pleasant. But there's nothing that you have to do for it. You know, as long as it's manageable, it's, it's really just more like letting people know that they're okay um, and, like, when to be worried and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it just kind of saves doing the whole other troubleshooting aftercare stuff if that's what the thing is because otherwise like you say you could be oblivious and asking them all these questions and they could be like no I haven't been swimming no I haven't done this and you know so I think like adding that to your list of potential causes of, of angry nipple piercings particularly in customers that are kind of coming back after that time period can often be an indication as well mm. yeah well now I know and knowing is half the battle. 
but it's still important not to kind of assume that that's what it is because there are so many women that don't get periods or they maybe get periods like very erratically and um, and it can just be a different troubleshooting problem. So um, that's not to say, you know, people should, should start asking their customers if they're on their period. Please don't do that. It's right. very likely that you'll get punched in the face and rightly so. So I, I shouldn't ask them at what stage they're at in their cycle on my release form? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good to know. Um, you are so smart. Uh, so you've been writing. You've been writing a class. Uh, I, I think it's um, really cool to see your thought process on something like this, and I think it's also really cool to kind of realize that uh, your class is necessary because my class was so tone deaf. I think from the perspective. That's the wrong word. Sorry. Tone deaf isn't fair at all. Well, okay. I'm being a little bit tough on myself, but my, I did my studio growth strategies class, and it's very heavily skewed towards that same bias of like, you know, I can do whatever I want because I own the shop. And yeah. I think that leaves a lot of the people who are like piercer, senior piercer, manager, I think that kind of leaves them out as to like, well, yeah, but how do I get someone to agree to pay for it? So I, I think it's great that you you still have that connection to that because that was your scenario like, you know, a year ago. Yes. Um, like almost my entire piercer life, I've been in that employee relationship. And, you know, like when I first started going to piercing classes, I went to, or, you know, piercing conferences and attending classes, I did go to several kind of like self-help, be a better piercer kind of classes over the years. And they were all really good classes. The information in them is valid, but I never really had a class like that taught by someone I really felt came from the same perspective as me and I don't know if it's maybe because mine is just such a UK perspective and I don't think that's entirely true either but like in the UK specifically uh, I could probably name like a handful of good piercing only shops like in the entire UK like good shops that just do piercing all of the rest are in tattoo studios um, so that relationship of being subservient to the tattoo industry is still really, really strong. And having to work for people that aren't piercers and often aren't even industry professionals is incredibly common. Um, so when you would, uh, when I would go to classes and things and hear people talking about like, oh well, you just need to invest in better stuff, that would just open up. You know, I would always, I would, I would always think like that's like ten questions ahead. I'm like so. Um, are you investing that money yourself? Are you getting the shop to do it? How do you decide what to invest in? How do you invest in a business that you don't own? Um, you know, like there would just be a lot of other questions that I would have. Uh, and I feel like the person delivering the class would either have gone through maybe like a different channel of development or maybe were just already so developed that they kind of overlooked some of those little crucial earlier steps that they made. So I really wanted to write a class um, that was for people who are right now working in tattoo shops where the owner doesn't want to spend any money, which I think is a, a really common situation for piercers to be in. But it's I think it's still a useful class for people who aren't in that situation because it's basically all about how to develop as a piercing employee. Um, so as opposed to being the owner of a studio, because a lot of piercers they don't want to become studio owners like they're they're happy with where they are maybe they're like traveling or they just enjoy their role as an employee and it works better for their life you know like there's a lot of people that are more into their their families and that are you know married with children and that's a really significant and important part of their life so having the stability of employment um, and salaried employment is you know more important for them at that moment than investing in a new studio so like there are so many different lives a piercer could have outside of work. I really wanted to write a class where anybody could watch it and pick up something about how they could better themselves regardless of how tough a situation they were in. Um, I think any kind of self-help class that's kind of like, okay, start by investing money is skipping a few really important steps as to like whose money that is. How are you getting that money? Um, like, I just feel that it, it overlooks the situation a lot of piercers are in at the moment. Uh, yeah. Well, so it it just makes me realize how oblivious I am. And I talk so much about like, oh, 
you need to see other people's perspectives and you need to incorporate this and that. And, and it's like, I completely don't think in those terms. Like, so like when I taught my class, it was like, just assume that you have a bottomless checkbook, you know, and yeah. just do it in this order, you know, and it just, it's just so simple. And I, you know, I had a very short point in my career where I was dependent on someone else uh, in their space. And it wasn't really so much about their money because when I started, I worked for a tattooer who was just opening up a business. They had been tattooing for years, but this was a brand new business. They really weren't thinking about investing in piercing. They were thinking about like, just take over this empty room. And I, I was pretty much providing all my own stuff, but uh, I've lost sight of a lot of that because, you know, then I owned my own shop. And then after a while I moved and grew and added this and added that. And over time you just, you know, you slowly, you think that you're like this punk rock or goth or whatever, rock and roll piercer. And then you realize like, oh no, I've got two mortgages and, you know, a bookkeeper and all, all that stuff. And you lose sight of, yeah, where does the money come from? Well, I think like when I saw your class a couple of weeks ago, obviously I just started running my own studio. We'll see we'll see if I ever get to like open it again after what's happening. But assuming that I do, after having seen your class, like there were lots of things in it that I thought that were really good and really useful from that perspective. But a year ago, if I'd have watched it, um, you know, like in my previous place of work, there wouldn't really have been anything I would have been able to apply from the class. Um, so I don't think that, you know, it's like a negative on the class. I think you just have your own perspective. Like you can't, you can't like be, you know, everything to all piercers all of the time. I mean, there's I'm trying though. <laughs> there'll be <laughs> there'll be so much stuff that I don't know. Um, but something that I do know about quite well, I think, is um, people, especially younger piercers now, and a lot of older ones as well. They're not very good at communicating. And they're not very good at having adult conversations and those kinds of things. And when you work for somebody who's maybe not into piercing in the way that you are or doesn't even understand, you know, like a lot of like tattooers and non-industry professionals that own tattoo and piercing shops, they have no idea like what the industry actually looks like now. They think it still looks like it did in 2001. So getting them to understand why they should invest and being able to kind of communicate with them effectively when they're not seeing your point of view is so important because, you know, the first few times that you try, you might get told no. So um, it's not just a case of going to your boss and being like, can we have money for this? And then they say no. And you're like, right, that's it. It's a dead end. I'm either going to be stuck here forever or I quit. You know, like there are so many levels that you can take things to to try and get someone around to, to your perspective. And if you're still hitting a brick wall, there are things that you can do inwardly to better yourself as well. So um, I'm just hopeful that it will be a, a useful class for people that are maybe not entirely fulfilled at work at the moment and aren't really sure what they're supposed to do with it. So uh, I got a question for you. What are you doing on um, Saturday, May the 2nd? On Saturday, May the 2nd? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to check my, my diary. You know what I think you're going to do? It could be coronavirus bingo. It could be. I think you should teach your class. Uh, just like you said, like, it'll it'll motivate you to finish it. And, um, you know, I think you, I totally think you should do your class on Saturday, May 2nd. What do you think? I don't know. Yay. I want to show it to you when it's finished, and you can tell me everything that's wrong with it. Uh, no. Um, I mean... Yes, but no, there's not, it, it, no, you're smarter than me and your ideas are better than me. So, uh, I think it'll be great, but, um, you know, I'm just going to put it out there early Saturday, May 2nd. Sounds like it'd be a great date for you to, uh, for you, for are you telling me that's when I'm supposed to do this. I think you should. I think you should set a date so that you can, you can have a, a firm goal that you have to reach. Can we not do what we talked about and just, um, have you pretend to be me and just do a Scottish accent? Sure. Sure. Uh, camera isn't working. I have to do some research and like watch Thre uh, Shrek a couple times um, and then dye my hair green. I, I am actually looking forward to teaching the class because I think that it will be valuable and and I don't know. Well, it's, I'm it's, looking forward to taking the class. Like I, I'm like what you've been sharing with me, getting ready for it uh, just sounds awesome. Like I, I want to see it uh, and, and I want to be able to, widen my perspective and, and think again about what it's like for piercers doing that because uh 
you know, even if I'm already at a point where I'm I'm the shop owner and and I've got things handled for my particular business, um, I like being able to see other people's perspectives and you know just un- I like to keep keep my finger on the pulse. Well, I think that it's definitely um, something that uh, kind of makes a lot of piercers feel maybe a little invalid. Um, you know, when all of the advice that they're hearing um, is stuff that is just patently unavailable to them for so many reasons. And you know what's the answer? A shocking amount of the time is the answer is they should quit and work somewhere else. Right. You know, in, in forums and in, you know, open discussion, it's like, oh, well, I'm not happy at work because of this. People are like, oh, we'll go and work somewhere else. And you're like, like, it's just that easy to do. Like, that doesn't impact everything in your life and involve moving and what if you have a family and what if you have pets you know like here at least jobs are so few and far between you could go years without seeing there there was this weird moment I left my old job uh, last year and uh, Marie from uh, Rebel in Aberdeen left her job and I think Tracy left from I think the same place and Elise left from where she was working and there was like this weird piercer exodus in a really short space of time in Scotland and everyone was like what is actually happening it was bizarre but other than that like I can't think of a time that there hasn't been like one job opening that was good in the entire country in more than like a couple of year intervals hmm yeah well uh there there needs to be a like a wholesale change as to um the people that I don't know have you ever felt like your voice isn't as if not more important than other people or, or something? I just don't, I don't hear, I don't hear enough of this. You know, I mean, I hear, I hear a lot of it because I'm your boyfriend, but like, I don't hear enough of this, of people talking about this kind of stuff because I, I, I think so many of the classes are taught by financially comfortable, uh, American white guys, you know, some women, but you know, mostly it's kind of that same kind of people that are always talking about it and not to say that they're, the wrong people to talk about it but um you know it's the same it's a very similar perspective it's like i worked somewhere for a while i got successful enough to open my own business now my business is very successful and i get to teach and train at a lot of different places but it's like it's such a similar perspective that i don't i don't know if it's as helpful as it could be well i think that the experience is always going to be helpful because you can't buy experience you know like you can't buy being able to tell people what they definitely will encounter at some point or another. So that's always really valuable. Um, I remember you were saying in your class why it was so important to speak to people that had owned businesses for a long time so that you can ask them, like, if there was one thing that you could have gone back in time and done differently or, like, invested in or prepared for, like, what would that thing have been? You know, like, that kind of stuff is, is like, really valuable and can only be acquired through experience. It doesn't matter how practical you are, like... There are some things that you can just never predict or see coming until you've actually tried to do it. Um, but I think that for, for piercers that are more in that kind of like, like there are lots of, I'm, I'm sure, an overlap of good tattooing and good piercing shops. But I think for a lot of those piercers that, that developed in that environment, like the environment I developed in, I think a lot of them still have like a degree of shame where they almost don't want to stick their hand up and say, like, I work in a place that, you know, could be a lot better and, like my boss isn't really receptive to my ideas and because you know there's a concern they're just going to get shut down and told well you should move um and people don't really know what to do with that if they've maybe not been in that situation which is why I really wanted to write a class about it because it's just full of examples of things that I did that that worked or that didn't work um so that's why I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be helpful to some people that have been in that situation or maybe still in that situation just now. I think it'll be helpful to lots of people. And I think it'll be really helpful to shop owners potentially too, because sometimes I think shop owners might not see um, like the human resources and it's like, okay, if I have a staff member who is motivated and who is out there getting all this continuing education, like I would look at them as being a really valuable asset in investment in the shop and I would I you know I, I think differently because I, I I think I've been reasonably successful as a business person and I think part of that in the last few years is really listening to mm-hmm. the staff members and being like what are you seeing what are you feeling like what do you think we should be doing to grow and like what opportunities do you want like that's that's the environment that I try to make but that, I totally get that most people don't work in an environment like that 
That is such a different environment, though, you know, from like what a lot of piercers are working in right now where they're working. Oh, I'm sure. People that are literally like, if you bother me, you're fired. You know, <laughs> that, you know, like it, there, there are a lot of piercers that are still working in environments that are just horrible. They're, they're, they're hard environments to, to thrive in and they're hard environments to find joy in. So, um, and to be honest, there are always going to be that small minority of situations where the only answer in the end is going to be quitting. Um, but it's still about how you can make the most out of that role in the meantime. Like, what are things that you can do? E- even in the worst possible situation, you should be able to feel that you can do something to better yourself or better your surroundings. So um, I think focusing more on what those specific things are is going to be helpful. I really want to be specific for people. So it's not just like, yeah, be better. Like, okay, be better how and in what order and in what way. Like, I really want this class to be practical and something that people can literally take things from and go and do when it's safe to obviously that sounds awesome uh did, have you have you honed in on the name yet uh i can't remember what it is i've written it down i've i've i i picked a name because it was it was hard to come up with a name because someone uh who looks a lot like you steals all the best words uh their own class titles <laughs> i literally have to sit with like the scraps of words that were similar uh and try and combine them together uh into something that made sense um and uh and i'm pretty happy with it but let me just find what it is right now um uh, for people listening i need you to realize uh if i have a good sign sounding class title lola probably helped me name that class I wish I hadn't now. I gave you all my best words. Yeah. Okay, I found it. It's called Professional Growth for the Employed Piercer. Yeah. That sounds like... That, I, that, that hones in on right what you're going for. Yeah. Um, what are some of the ones that you helped make for me? You helped me come up with the uh, Advanced Application of Bevel Theory. Yeah. Um, in that. I think Studio Growth Strategies. I think that we did talk about that as well oh, what else the, uh, the 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 cell smarter not harder oh right yeah 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 you're so smart thanks uh what else do you want to talk about what talk about your um talk about your patreon page i think it's neat that you're doing that and keeping people motivated i, I like seeing all the little stories that you repost from other people when they say like how good they're that your yoga stuff's making them feel yeah, I really love seeing those videos and pictures an awful lot. Like, for me, the Patreon... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. I gotta go shut my window, because some jerkus next door is having the world's most fun with a dirt bike in their driveway. Pause. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You can... Hold on. No, wait. I'll be right back. I hate my neighbors. I really hope that your other neighbor just is about to start bone practice. Oh, my God. All right. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Uh, my Patreon. Yeah. So um, it's a paid Patreon that I made. Um, and I think it's like it's £10 a month to subscribe to it. And uh, I'm trying to make content every day, which I have been successful at pretty much every day uh, since the lockdown started. And I really wanted to make it as a space where um, – People could try and develop their yoga practice a little bit um, in an irregular way. Everything I do has to be in an irregular way. I'm not a yoga instructor. I'm someone that practices yoga. And uh, when I started practicing yoga, um, there was so much trial and error and so many years of doing it badly and so many years of doing it wrong that I've at least managed to mass like quite a reasonable amount of um, of tips and tricks to give to people. Um, uh, I post videos kind of showing breakdowns of certain poses. Um, but it's not just that. It's it's a lot more personal than that. Like I write blog entries just about my thoughts on some yoga-related subjects. Um, I also create flow videos where um, people can kind of learn how to put yoga flow sequences together and kind of learn to enjoy more of the artistic side of practicing yoga that's not just based on do these postures in this sequence and you'll get stronger and more flexible which is fine but you're also missing out on a lot of the fun that's involved in 
literally like rolling around and falling over, which sounds kind of silly, but I think that yoga often presents itself on social media as being this incredibly clean, crisp thing practiced by impeccable looking gymnasts. Um, and that's, that's all down to marketing and it's very much removed from reality. So like with all things like that, I'll usually suggest if people are uh, finding that they're getting bummed out because they can't do anything that the people in their feeds are doing, then they need to change what they're looking at in their feeds. Like they need to follow people of a similar skill level um, or a different skill level um, or of a different lifestyle than a kind of, uh, what do you call it, an, in an influencer yogi. Um, I mean, that's not to invalidate what they do, like they've spent their whole life getting good at something and they deserve to be able to make a living off of it. But if you only surround yourself with that particular demographic, it's going to make it hard for you to ever feel like that's attainable for you. So um, I kind of like to think that the people that follow me on Patreon get to have like a real look at what I'm actually doing behind the pictures that I post and get to see me fail and not always look great. Um, and to, to hear my thoughts about some of those things. I think it's, I think it's way more impressive. Okay. So, you know, I saw you do, you know, yoga stuff over the, the weeks and months, but it's way more impressive seeing you like struggle or work into a, a pose too, to really understand like what kind of body control and strength and whatever, you know, to do it like that thing where you touch the bottoms of your feet to the back of your head is like mind blowing. Well, I mainly also want people to understand I'm not an athletic person or a flexible person. Um, so I think that it's important for them to see how many times I'll try and do something and fail before I can accomplish it. Or I tell people in my videos how long it took me to be able to do this thing. So if I'm going to show someone a video of me doing something, I'm going to say, these are the sequences that I would do to prepare for doing this pose. Um, when I first learned to do it, it took me eight months. So it's not a case of do this video and you can do this thing. It's here's a video that you can practice every day for months and months if you want to eventually be able to do this. Um, which I think is, again, something that you don't see enough of. A lot of um, tutorials are very much kind of like, hey, just do this sequence and you'll be able to do this thing. And they omit the really important sentence of like, hey, I practiced this for months before I could do it. So I try and keep it as realistic as possible because I think that that helps keep people motivated. Um, and I really like uh, seeing people's pictures and people's videos. Um, and it makes me wish that I had kept more of my own yoga fail videos because I deleted so many thousands of images over the past kind of five years that were just because they looked terrible or because the, the practice was so poor. And now I really wish that I had them for comparison purposes and for motivation purposes. Um, so I always try and encourage people to document as much of their practice, even if no one ever, no one else ever gets to see it. Uh, as they can because it's going to be so important for them when like a year from now they're working on something and they can't get it and they're feeling really demotivated to go back and, and look at some of their their previous practice and been like oh my god look how much better I am you know that's going to be really important for them um, and there's there's no correlation between how happy yoga makes you and how impressive yoga you can practice that has nothing to do with any of it so um, I do talk quite a lot about that as well um, on that platform just so that people can understand that like getting the, the meditative benefits out of doing yoga as a form of focused meditation which means like meditating through physical exercise as opposed to just being static um, that really has nothing to do with being able to stand on your head like at all hmm. you're so uh, you're appealing like a banana you, uh... yeah <laughs> Like a banana. Like a banana. Like a banana. What are okay? Just no. Okay, number one. Before I forget to ask you, what what is your Patreon address? It's Namaste Sharp. Oh my God. And that is. And where'd, where'd you come up with that name? Uh, I stole it from uh, my boyfriend's thing that he uses, which is Stay Sharp. Oh. I'm yeah, sure he wouldn't mind. He sounds like an interesting fellow. He is interesting. All right, so patreon.com slash namaste sharp. I, uh, I always put little links to it in the stories that I post, and I put it 
on my my Instagram bio as well, so people can just click on it if they want to. But it's um, ten pounds for a monthly subscription, and I try and post on it pretty much every day. So even if you just wanted to stay on there for a month, there's going to be dozens of videos that you can watch. So if anybody wanted to check it out, I think it would be worth it. That's kind of what you made me think of when I was asking you about my Patreon last night, because I have my classes on there now. And I was worried that like, I don't know, it seems distasteful to have like a, a pay product in, in a point where like so many people are broke, but like, you know, you could just, you could watch all, all the videos and classes that I posted on there in, in one month and then just cancel it. So that made me feel a little bit better. Make me feel like I'm not trying to like, you know, squeeze money out of people. Yeah, in my case, I am actually broke, uh, so I don't, I don't suffer the same guilt. <laughs> um, well, let's wrap it up here because I, I feel like we could talk for hours, and I mean, you know, we do. We're so, going to. yeah, we're going to. We're, this is what this is what this is how we talk like all day and all night anyway out there. So it's like oh, we we just talk podcast style for hours on end. I would love it if um, if, you, if there was like a product that you had to advertise for your podcast and just throughout the day when we were talking, you would just segue and just like blankly stare out to the distance and be like, but first, let me tell you about this thing. <laughs> uh, do you have problems with ED? Well, I need to tell you about BlueChew.com. Right now, you can get a special 20% off promo by using Namaste Sharp in the, the coupon box. Um. All right. Well, I'm going to stop recording this now because I'm supposed to teach a class in an hour. And yeah. I should probably shower and comb my hair and stuff. Uh, you going to you going to take my class with me? I am. Yes. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to ask you about the nipple thing when we get to the troubleshooting bit. I swear to God, Ryan. <laughs> How about I'll just I'll just play back this recording and 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 I'll just hold a picture of you up on my camera and just bounce it around like you're talking like like Terrence and Philip or something. I am releasing the the rights to this audio for Ryan Willette to use for educational purposes on any platform he sees fit. Uh, copyright 2020 Precision Body Arts LLC. All rights reserved. Okay, well, uh, thanks for talking to me, girlfriend. You're welcome, boyfriend. Uh, what's your social media again for folks out there? Uh, it is Lola.Slider. And um, you are uh, very smart and very pretty. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, uh, talk to you in a second. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks, Lola, for uh, taking some time to talk to me. And thanks for all the, the help you've given me uh, writing my classes and being super supportive to me. I really appreciate it, especially when the world is on fire. Uh, to uh, say it again, Lola's going to be doing a class. I think it's going to be pretty killer. Looking like May 2nd. But uh, I think it's going to be uh, an official class through the UK APP. So pay attention to their social media. Pay attention to Lola's social media. You'll get all the info there. And if I have any details ahead of time, I'll definitely share it here on the show. Um, I have a, a webinar on scarification coming up on Saturday, April 25th. It's not an instructional webinar. I am never going to teach that stuff uh, on like an online thing. And I do not offer... Uh, paid scarification training uh, in, in the United States or any really professional scarification training in the United States. I do classes on scarification uh, yearly at the BMXNet conference in, in Germany, uh, but I, I uh, have chosen not to do any sort of scarification instruction in the U.S. currently. But I'm going to do a webinar on it, so if you're interested in scarification, uh, keep your eyes on Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. That's where you'd uh, get the event page info for the scarification session. That, uh, that event page is already online. If you want to RSVP and, and follow that event page, that's where I'm going to post the, uh, the links for those sessions. They're limited to the first 100 people. No registration required, no cost at all, uh, but it will be limited to the first uh, 100 attendees. So keep your eyes on the skies for that one. For uh, Lola's Patreon, again, that is patreon.com slash namaste sharp. And my Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash Ryan PBA, uh, PBA like Precision Body Arts. And that's where I'm going to be uh, posting a lot of my classes. I've already got the anatomy class, studio growth strategies, you know, the owner perspective class, uh, bedside manner class, uh, I'm calling that customer care reimagined. 
shortly I'll have up that Thunderdome session with the, the small sections on troubleshooting and shadowing and mentoring and even a little bit about septum piercing. And uh, I recorded today after after we recorded this podcast. It's it's been a long day for me. I woke up. Uh, I did uh, like final touches on my class and you know final like last minute registration questions and stuff. Um, and then talked to Lola and we recorded this podcast. So you know that was like an hour there. And then uh, got into my my webinar today. I did. Um, nipple piercing with a little bit of bevel theory information leading up to it. And it was like four and a half hours that, that I did that. So, uh, I really like the private classes. I really like to dive deep on certain subjects and really explain, uh, the fundamentals, the foundation aspects of like why, uh, I'm, I'm talking about doing stuff in this certain way, not just like do it and just try to copy my hand movements, but like understand why I prefer it this way. Um, so I just, I enjoyed it. Anyway, I'm going to do that class on scarification. Lola's going to do that class, uh, professional growth for the employed piercer. We've both got uh, Patreon pages. We're both piercers. We're both extremely attractive people. So thank you for listening. Uh, and, uh, come on back next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercing wizard podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. 